The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops Podcast, we are back. Eric Newman back in New York, BJ Armstrong in LA. BJ, it's been quite a week since I've seen you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Eric. It's always exciting to to be back on the Pure Hoops Podcast with my good friend, Eric Newman, Mike Lieber, and the rest of the cast. So uh, it's a great week. We got a lot to discuss. For sure. Before we dive in, and we have to start doing video, which we're going to figure out in the coming weeks. There's a lot happening behind the scenes here at headquarters. I just want to paint the picture again. Santa Monica, morning, doing a show outside, and you are freezing your ass off. Like, it is <laughs> December in Detroit. It's unbelievable. You're making me look bad. It's Eric. unbelievable. Bad. <laughs> you have gone from a hard-nosed... Two-way, and uh, three-time NBA champion, two-way player, and I've got to deal with your complaints about the chilly morning weather. How the mighty, well, you know, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> you know what? What can you do? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's 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 part of the phenomenon. You know, I was, I made fun of all of those people for many years. And then you get out here and something happens, Eric. So, something happens. I don't know, but it happens. It might. It might. And, uh, it might. I'm happen happy to me. it happened. It too. might happen to me. Yeah, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. I'm. I'm glad we've gotten to the point though where I could outwardly break your balls to start a show. So that's <laughs> that's a good feeling. So, you know, with that chill in the air and and walking around New York earlier today, it's October 10th. Um, you, you feel the season's changing, and obviously football has been upon us. Uh, my Browns once again let me down and shit the bed on Monday Night Football. Another conversation mm, for another mm. time. Uh, your Lions had a great week, though. They couldn't have lost because they were on a bye week, <laughs> so that's always a win. Um, but between the weather and these preseason games, uh, we are finally, finally – inching closer to the doorstep and I'm I'm really excited about some of the things we're seeing in preseason and obviously uh, to start us off we've got two things to dive into one is yes LeBron James and Anthony Davis combination and the other of course is the Zion Williamson 12 of 13 performance uh, right in, in the preseason so first and foremost uh, we knew LeBron and AD were going to present themselves as a dangerous combo. Uh, what did you gather from your first viewing watching them play? Well, you know, the first thing is, you know, you, you have to look at those two and go, you know, go, these are two, 
Anthony Davis and LeBron James are two players that at the very least this year will be top five caliber players, right? Whether one becomes the MVP, that's why we play. But at the very least, we have two players that will be top five talents in the NBA. Let's start there. I've had an opportunity to watch them play in two preseason games. And those two will, one on the perimeter, LeBron James will get most of the touches on the perimeter, and the other will get the other in the interior in Anthony Davis, and they will have a combination because they'll have the ball in their two best players' hand let's say 80 to 90% of the time, which will be a good thing for the Lakers, provided that they're healthy and they're able to, to do what you know great players and great talented players do. But the thing that has stood out most in watching them has been their role players, in particular Avery Bradley. My, Avery that's Bradley, my guy. That's my guy. He, Avery Bradley, to me, is one of the key contributors which will either make this a, a – a, an incredibly successful year or a year in which we'll talk about of how, how coulda, woulda, shoulda, oughta. And Avery Bradley has been very impressive in this regard. He can defend the other team's best guard, whether they're the point guard or the two guard, a la Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. He's that good on the defensive end. And Avery Bradley now gives me, if you're a Laker fan, it gives you a sense of, we have a player that can allow LeBron James to do what LeBron James has done his entire career. He is, he's been the point guard. This isn't news that LeBron James is going to dominate the ball in his hand. So now when they say LeBron James is going to be the point guard, my first thing was, is he going to guard the other team's point guard? And now with Avery Bradley, I get it. I get that. Kyle Kuzma is going to be a third scorer. Yep. That's going to be a problem because he's not going to face double teams and and he's not they're not going to depend on him to score 20 25 a night but he is capable every single night of giving you 20 25 like you saw what Siakam did a year ago which now is a major problem when your third score is capable of getting 20 yeah. to 25 and in, in in a playoff game and all and, then the, and all within the flow of the game may I add you don't absolutely. have to run you're not going to have him. to call plays for him nope. you're going he's going to be able to get it because he can get it in transition he can get second chance shots he can get it on double teams you know swing swing he'll be open and he's athletic enough to just get a couple baskets all on his own i mean he's that good offensively and then i i watched him again earlier today and you know what, JaVale McGee, what he's been able to do playing alongside Anthony Davis, I just find it very interesting because you have another player, again, that can play, contribute at a very high level, and you don't have to call any plays for him because the game is not too fast for him. He'll be able to run, participate in the speed of the game, and be able to play what I call the verticality, verticality or the vertical playing now that you know you need to play you know guy drives to the basket verticality right verticality verticality yeah the verticality of the game so he can play that style he will be a huge contributor and i like what their role players are now it's a big if because you need the the their 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 two guys anthony davis and lebron james you know to to be the star players of the team and be able to absorb and take all of the offense 
of touches that you're going to have to give those guys in, in order for them to be star players. But their other players, in particular, Avery Bradley, to me, is going to be the key to the success of uh, the Lakers this year. One of the other keys that I think should not go unnoticed is when LeBron James comes out of the game and gives up the core majority, however you want to label it, of the playmaking duties, you then have Rajon Rondo there, ready, willing, and able. And Rondo already has that chemistry with Anthony Davis from their run together in New Orleans. So I I think that's going to help big time when LeBron LeBron is off the floor. And it also ties into what you were saying about what Kyle Kuzma brings to the table. This team will still be able to score the basketball when LeBron James needs to take a breather. Granted, they've got the right combinations of guys out there. And obviously, when LeBron is off the floor, Kuzma and Davis should be on the floor together. And um, they're... They're they're looking they're looking pretty impressive thus far. I know it's preseason. I know it's early. I know there's a lot to figure yeah, out. Yeah, they are. I mean, but they but they have some things, Eric, that they can really. I mean, look, if Rajon Rondo is your your lead guard for your second unit, you're you're that's that's a pretty good option to have. So that's a great luxury. I mean, this is a a multiple All Star player. You know, he's a. You know he's led the league in assists. Playoff run knows how to run a team. Playoff run. Yeah, I mean, I mean he he is a he is a top notch player, and very cerebral. I mean he's he's a, he's a great great addition to any team, and in particular in this role because, he, again, he gives you the flexibility to move players around, like LeBron James. You know, you can move him from the point guard position to the two, to the three, to the four. And in some cases, you can even play play him at the five. So uh, that's a great option to have, and I'm sure he won't be looked at as a backup player. He'd be looked at as a you know a six starter because that's what he is. I mean, it's just now you're just getting to the combinations because this team wasn't put together to figure out how to get to the playoffs. They were put together with the idea of trying to win a championship. So um, I see him as being a great fit for the team in that role, and um, I don't think many teams will have that that luxury to have a Rajon Rondo as a player who can come off the bench and, and, and rally your, 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 your bench players like he can. For sure. Quinn Cook can shoot the ball. You mentioned Avery Bradley, who I think people were forgetting how good he was uh, a couple of years ago before the Celtics traded him for Marcus Morris. Hurts to say now the Celtics ended up now with net zero uh, after losing Morris this summer uh, to free agency, which is unfortunate, but we know that's Part of this business, I, I think the Danny Green pickup will prove to be very helpful, both spacing the floor and defending the uh, opposition uh, wing players as well. So um, definite warranted excitement around this Laker team and roster. So before we move on here to the other team in town along with Zion, preseason, you can only take so much from these games, right? So, you know, you... you 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 called out a couple of things, as did I. What what's the main thing you're looking for from the Los Angeles Lakers in the preseason on the doorstep of opening this up uh, against the Clippers on October 22nd? Well, the main thing I'm looking for with with all teams is their level of conditioning. You know, how much effort and energy can they actually bring to the game? And you see that and how far can they extend on the defensive end, right? Um, you know, 
that's what I look for when I watch preseason games, right? The coaches aren't going over a scouting report. The coaches aren't going over game plans. The coaches aren't designing plays. They're going over, we're, we're going to use this really as a practice that the fans and the media and the people can see. That's basically what it is. We're going to go out. You're going to try to get an eight to 10 minute run if you're a starter and try to get in the best condition that you can so that you can play the game at the level that needs to be played as you're getting that level of conditioning. Nothing replaces the game, right? You can run on the track. You can do all of those things. You can work out and shoot shots and all those things, but nothing will replace the game itself. So uh, that's what I look for. I look for the players that, you know, will go out and play the game with conditioning in mind. They'll go out and try to defend. They'll go out and try to get around the screen. And as you get in better conditioning, you will get better and better at it. But right now, that's the one thing I look for because the coaches just want to see guys giving the effort. And then all the other things you put together as the team gets in better condition. And then you actually, your players are in condition or well conditioned enough to play 35 to 40 minutes or whatever your start, you know, whatever you need your starters to play uh, as the season goes on. For sure. So conditioning huge. You don't want guys playing their way into shape. Obviously, the other team in town takes great pride in their conditioning and their defense and their toughness. That's the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, both being booed at L.A. sporting events. Obviously, <laughs> uh, there's a very loyal Laker following in that town. It's Laker Nation. It's not just in L.A. They are a globally recognized franchise. Um, can this ever be a Clippers town, regardless of what the results are of, of this terrific team they've put together? You know, I had a coach used to always say this before every game. Winning covers a multitude of sins. The Lakers, what, they have, what, 16 championships? 16 championships. Second most. Well, Second most. Let's – who has the first here, just by the way? <laughs> you already know the answer, buddy. <laughs> Avery, but, Avery Bradley's former home Avery Bradley um, But no I, I think the, the Clippers look What I love about the Clippers Is that They For the first time On paper right You know there's always at the beginning of the season There's a lot of optimism in the air And the Clippers You, you have to take them serious This team is poised they have a, a proven star. They have a championship caliber coach who, who I, I think he won one in, in your in your hometown, right? He won one there. He won uh, one as the head coach Doc of the Boston Rivers. Celtics. Yes. Um, they have Paul George, and they have a supporting cast of players that are very capable. They're going to get after to you. to be well-respected, right? And to be well-respected. And uh, – so I, the Clippers have every right to feel that they have a chance. And that's all you want is a chance. And they have a player who can play in the last two minutes of every game and perform at the highest level, as he showed last year in the playoffs. So um, I think it's going to be a, a great year. I'm really excited about it here in L.A. Uh, but there are a lot of teams that feel that way, right? The Houston Rockets feel that way. Um, you know, the Warriors aren't going to just go away quietly. And uh, there are a lot of teams, you know, you can talk to Denver, 
I'm sure they feel good. Portland feels good. The Utah Jazz feel good. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of teams who are feeling, you know, your Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, you know, a lot of teams here are feeling, you know, that they have a chance. And uh, certainly I think it's going to be up for grabs this year. You know, the, the Warriors over the last five years, we could count on them to at the very least to get to the finals, if not win it. And um, but now this is the first year in a long time where you have a lot of different teams feeling, you know what, we can do this. And, uh, I, you know, I think it's going to be very competitive throughout the year. So one team that is looking to raise their competitive level, the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, they've got a completely revamped roster and one heck of an exciting young rookie in Zion. He goes 12 of 13 from the floor. Um, just about every shot attempt, if not all, five feet are in. Great to see him attacking the rim. Um, do you think once the regular season starts, um, he's going to be able to get where he wants to go with this kind of ease, or are we just seeing the product of uh, a very talented rookie uh, having some fun in preseason? Well, what we're what we're seeing is what we've all known since the beginning. Zion is a, a excellent athlete. He's an excellent athlete, and athletically, you know, he is able to go out there and really what you know show people what makes the NBA so exciting. You know, the game is played at a certain level of speed and quickness, you know, size and strength. And even though he doesn't have the size, you know, he's not very tall. He has the strength and he has the speed and the quickness. I mean, he's as ex he is as an explosive an athlete that, you know, this league has seen. And uh, when he gets that body moving, I mean, he's a big man. So what we've seen is what we've all known is that the NBA game will provide more spacing for him to be an athlete than the collegiate game just because of the way the game is played. The mm -hmm. game is played faster, more athletes, more opportunities, and he will take advantage and he will shine in those situations. So anything around the basket, which that's what we've all been saying, where anyone who's scouted him or seen him play, I mean, anything around the basket, he will get to, he will score, he will dunk, he will do those things. Yeah. Now, the next phase of the game, which is why these guys are professionals, there will be a game plan, all right? Everyone is scouting him as well. So let's let's you and I put our scouting report right now. He can dunk the basketball, <laughs> okay? He Check. can play in transition. Check. Okay? He can catch an alley-oop. Check. Now, at some point here, the professionals and the teams will put together a game plan, and they take those things away. That's what we're interested in seeing. Because all of the things athletically, he will, you know, look, he's as good of an athlete as there is in the NBA right now. He's as strong as anybody in the NBA right now. The only thing he's lacking is experience. And that will only come with him playing against the players that he will see night in and night out, right? Yep. Um, and, 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 and he will figure that out because he is that good of an athlete and that's what athletes do. He will adjust his game. He will adjust how he plays. And but right now, it is fun to watch him be an athlete because you know I was I would happen to watch the game last night. I mean, he was like what I don't know, twelve from thirteen or something 12, like that. Twelve, and like, 
12 for 13. Um, pretty efficient. And I don't think he scored a basket outside of the paint, which, Correct. hey, which is good for him. That means he's just getting up and down. He's active. He, you got to keep a body on him. And that's great. That's what you want to see from a young player. Mm -hmm. You want to see a young player give you effort and energy. And he is doing that. And I think that will be the greatest asset when you watch this team. When you play the New Orleans Pelicans, okay, they may be a young team. They may make a lot of mistakes. But the one thing you should never say while you're watching them is they didn't play with energy. And Coach Gentry and the staff will have that team playing with a lot of energy. That should be the team that all of the veteran teams say, I don't want to see this team on a back-to-back -back yep. because of the style and the pace yeah, that they play. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. That's how he plays. His ability off the bat, and we were talking about this with Kuzma, obviously completely different players and skill sets, but Zion is going to be able to get so much in the flow of the game, especially if they're defending and getting out in transition. And, you know, the, the, the focus of the offense does not have to be around him. You know, they've got Brandon Ingram who came over in the deal with the Lakers. They've got Lonzo Ball to share in the ball handling duties with uh, Drew Holiday, who's the team's best player. They've got J.J. Redick. They've got Derek Favors. Uh, I, I like what they've assembled here, and I think they're going to be that team, as you said, whether it's a back-to-back -back or just going into their building with what this excitement, I think, is going to be in New Orleans. This is going to be a team that is going to give – Everybody, their money's worth each and every night. Whether that equals out to be uh, being enough to capture the eighth seed in the West, we'll see. But they're going to be really, really exciting. So, I, I think they're going to be a, a very exciting team, just because of you know, look, the way the game is played. The game is played with pace and space. They have shooters on the perimeter. Lonzo Ball, you know, looks like a much improved shooter with distance mm -hmm. from a year ago and then they will be able to play the way Alvin G Alvin Gentry has always been one of those coaches who never gets credit for what he has done on the offensive end agree he his teams can score the basketball okay Julius Randle last year <laughs> quietly had an excellent year yep last year he he had an excellent year um, and up until Boogie got hurt there, I mean, Boogie and Anthony Davis were putting up massive numbers. Well, they were they were making that work with the the com the the two big combo for lack of a better, yeah, I mean, a better they, term. It, it, but but then to Gentry's credit, even more, Boogie gets hurt. They move AD to the five. They integrate Miritich to the team, and they played even better after that. Better, that's, that's they, what I'm saying. He yeah. so offensively, they're going to be fine. Yep. What I'm interested in is how they're going to be able to defend because clearly you, you, that's the one thing you're going to have to do. It's really hard to be a good defensive team when you're playing that style of play on the offensive end. And that's, you know, we talk about the Houston Rockets. No one, the Houston Rockets can score enough points to win any game. It's always been the question mark for them because of their style it doesn't lend to good defensive balance. Mm -hmm. And they haven't been able to get that balance that's needed to be on a championship level under a Mike D'Antoni team. But offensively, this team can score. That, that New Orleans team will be able to score a lot of points in a hurry because they have a lot of offensive weapons. Copy that. So, trivia question tied to this topic because of Zion. 
who is the only active NBA player to have played in an All-Star game in his rookie year? That's active, currently. Currently active, that played in the All-Star game his rookie year. Hint, it is not King James. It's not LeBron. No, I, I know it's not LeBron. I remember Grant Hill did it some years ago. Trivia question. Who is the only active, the active player? Player. Grant Hill is an active person, not an active Grant player. Grant Hill is an active person. Hmm. I'll give you another hint. He's no longer with the team that he did it with. The shot clock is at 10. <laughs> oh, this is really bad. Nine, I should know this. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three. You better throw it to Newman. Two, one, time. I, 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 it, it, the only active player. I should know this. This is really bad. The answer Who is, is it, Eric? Blake Griffin. You know what? I, I, I recall that. Yeah, you're, you're, that's see that the, the the but the the wrinkle here is Blake Griffin sat out his rookie year. Right, he was a rookie in his second yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, sat out yeah, the whole year. Yeah, yeah, that, that's I, 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 so technically you're correct, but you're not really. Well, I'm not, Grant I'm Hill not, actually I'm, did it his rookie year. Listen, Grant Hill actually did it his rookie right, year. But Grant Hill's not active. Listen, if you've got a bone to pick, I Mike, know, Mike I know, Lieber, that's Mike what I'm saying. Lieber's yeah, on the line. If you've got a bone to pick, Mike Lieber's on the line. Yeah, I, I know. It's just like it, it was like the uh, ben, I remember it was the Ben Simmons because he set out his rookie yeah, year and deal. then he was the rookie year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same All deal. right, okay. I, I, Not bad. I, technically, we, you're right. We're, okay, we're gonna, Mike, I'll, start, I'll go with that. We're going to start working some some trivia into the show. Um, I can really take advantage of, of all the useless information between my ears that I, I can't wipe off of my hard drive, which is my brain. <laughs> um, so let's continue this rookie convo for a minute. You know, we've got Zion. We've got Ja Morant, who I'm so excited about. We've got R.J. Barrett, who uh, I, I hope it works out for him here in New York. It, it should. I just hope not too much is expected right away. Let's take those top three, move them to the side. Who are you excited about? Rookie-wise, other than those three guys, is there anybody that pops out to you? Is there anyone in a specific situation where you think they're going to thrive? Who, who's on your rookie radar? And then I'll, I'll share some of mine. Well, you know, when I when I look at rookies, then I think this is probably the executive side of me. I, I never expect too much um, from a rookie, right? And I think Zion and John Morant, and those players will get enough minutes to be able to play through their mistakes. But when you start talking about the Donovan Mitchells and those players in the years past that they, that thrive, you, you know, they just kind of come out of nowhere. I, I don't recall people when I watched Donovan play in college, I didn't recall him saying, Oh, that he's going to be this when I see, see him play in the NBA. No way. It you was, know, it was, he's athletic. He'll develop someday, but he can't shoot. And uh, he's definitely not a top 10 pick. That was yeah. That was a lot. So, of them, which you is know, ridiculous. And and then you you know, and there's so many players now that, that are being drafted. You know, I saw Kawhi Leonard play at, 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 at in college, and I never thought he would be this player. Uh, I saw Steph Curry play. I never thought he would be two time MVP. So the thing is about the game. You know about the game. It's 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 continuing to evolve. 
Um, you know, I was watching a player this morning, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, and I was like, you know, he's really developed into a really nice player. Mm-hmm. He's really developed into a really nice. So some players are obvious, right? You know, we, you'll see some players and you'll go, okay, that player is what we call a standalone player. It doesn't matter where he's going to go. But some players, you just, you know, when I was watching him play and I go, you know, he's, he's a really nice player. He's developed to a really nice guard in this league. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen the players enough to know which one is going to develop. And, and the thing about, especially in the collegiate level now, the way the game is played at the college level doesn't always transfer to the NBA. So it's getting harder and harder, as scouts will tell you, to know because of their age which player is going to actually transfer because you're only seeing them play for 30 games in college. You know, probably what transfers more now is what you're seeing is with the European players. And, the, you know, the Luka Doncic, the Porzingis, you know, now you, you, know, you have a MVP and, and Giannis. So, so you know, you're not, I, so you're not, so you're not giving me a guy. I'm not giving you a guy because I mean, look, I, I, I really the, the way the game is played today, Eric. I couldn't tell you, you know, who's really going to be that next guy. But I mean, if you have someone, I've got a couple of guys. Feel free. I've got a couple. Okay, of guys. go ahead. So, let's start in the spirit of what we were talking about earlier with Ben Simmons and uh, Blake Griffin missing their first rookie years, their first seasons. Uh, I cannot wait to see what Michael Porter Jr. becomes with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, right. He already looks like a, uh, a... Is he technically a rookie this year? Is he yeah, technically didn't, a rookie this didn't year? play a game. So he is a rookie. And uh, Denver's decision to take him 14th overall and wait a year until he's healthy is going to prove to be absolutely genius. Um, this guy playing next to Jokic being able to take some of the offensive playmaking pressure off of Jokic and Murray and Gary Harris and being able to uh, conserve whatever's left in Paul Millsap's tank, uh, I I think it's going to be very exciting in Denver. So that's one. Number two is uh, I really liked watching this guy at Gonzaga, and I really didn't understand why a lot of people had him dropping uh, further in the draft, but uh, uh, Rui Hashimura, who was picked ninth overall, who is um, just, you know, uh, to me, he's a long, athletic combo forward who is going to have plenty of opportunities to play in Washington, to play through mistakes, to to be out there with Isaiah Thomas and Bradley Beal. Uh, I think he's going to be worth watching and has some really good potential. And then the guy that I'm really, really excited about, and I still can't believe how this played out in draft night because he fit. I, I love what the Suns did with getting Ty Jerome later, but Kobe White fit what the Suns needed and could have gotten him at six, and instead they traded out of the spot. He falls one spot to the Bulls at seven. The Bulls have not been in love with Chris Dunn since he came over from Minnesota in the Jimmy Butler trade. So I'm extremely high on Kobe White plugging into that lineup with Otto Porter Jr., uh, with Laurie Markkinen, with um, uh, Zach Levine, and, and really having uh, an explosive rookie season manning the point for the Bulls. So th- yeah, those are the guys uh, that, are, that are on my radar at that level, and then obviously uh, hoping I get some Taco Fall uh, every once in a while with the Celtics <laughs> will, will be an added bonus. Yeah, you know, the, the kid, uh, Kobe, I, you know, I, I watched him play last night in Chicago. What would you think? 
you know, I still will contend that the, the most difficult position for any young player to transition in, especially in the NBA, is the point guard position. I think just think it's an overwhelming position to be able to play the game, in particular the way the game is played today. You mm-hmm. know, you have so many dominant ball scoring guards, you know, and offensively, you have to be really good because you have to be great on the offensive end to be able to keep the other players honest, just to be honest, right? I mean, you're playing against so many great offensive players at that point guard position, and it's hard to learn how to run a team, manage a team, to, to juggle it in between when do I score, when do I run it, when do I pass. But he looks like he's going to be a really good player, and I, and I really like him. Um, but I think that's so hard to do. And one of the hardest things that we all missed as – so-called experts, if, if, if that is such a thing, you know, I always laugh, uh, you know, we're all, you know, in the NBA, we're, we're draft, we're NBA scouts and so forth and um, how you tout it, but dr- drafting an undersized player is an art, mm-hmm. right? You, 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 you know, like Zion only measured, you know, six, six, how was that going to, play out you know the charles barkley six four six five just about the same you know you take you take draymond green right now like how did we all miss him some teams missed him twice (laughs) okay yep in the draft so these undersized players are always very difficult to evaluate because you don't know how it transfers uh at the next level because you know it's easy to see a, a porzingis he's seven two seven three but then how does a guy six five six six How's he able to counter that? Well, there is a skill set to doing that. So, um, you know, you look at Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is not like 6'5 or 6'6 six, six as a guard. You know, he's only like 6'3. Six, six, three. 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 He's 6'3. Six, three. Six, three. Yep. So, I mean, those players, you know, you even take Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is not very tall, but he plays much bigger than he is. And that's because of the length of his arms. He has big hands. So he was able to counter, even though he wasn't 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, himself. So um, those are those are hard things to, to project. And you just never know how it transfers. But, um, you know, we'll see. I think the Rui kid, I think that's probably why he was falling. You just don't know. But he plays hard. He had a He was terrific over in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He really had a good. He had a good summer. Yeah, and uh, I've seen him play. Uh, I think I, I think it was against the Knicks. I saw him play earlier, just in a preseason game, just for a little bit, and uh, he did some nice things out there. But he definitely he knows how to play, uh, and he plays big, and he's a tough kid. So I, I think he's going to be fine there. And I think Washington, uh, they drafted a really good player, for sure. So before we wrap, one other big preseason happening is Ben Simmons has made a three-pointer. Oh, wow. And, of course, the crowd in Philadelphia, as they always do, overreacted like no other. So my question for you is, obviously, shooting the basketball was never an issue for you, but I'm sure you were around guys whose games evolved and changed in that regard throughout their career. How long do you realistically think it's going to take for this mindset to catch up with whatever skill development that he's been doing? So year, years. I, I, yeah. I think this is going to take years. I think this is this is going to take years to do. And you know, I go back to 
as a as a as a young kid, as a young player, I I wasn't a shooter. I I learned how to shoot out of necessity. Um, I was always a driver and penetrator. That's what that's how I learned to play. And then suddenly I had to learn how to shoot because it was necessary for if I was going to play and continue to play at higher levels, I was going to have to learn how to play further and further away from the basket. Mm -hmm. You know, the one thing I'll say about Ben Simmons and any young players, don't let what you do well, don't let what you don't do well get in the way of what you do well. What he does well right now is he can rebound the ball, play with pace in the open court, finish with either hand at the basket, deliver, pass, and all those things. That's what he does well. He's a triple-double waiting to happen. What he can't fall into is now trying to prove that he can shoot threes because he will have – if I can allow him – if he makes five to seven threes in a game, I'll take that as a as a defensive – I mean, if you Ben know, Simmons if starts I, making five threes in a game, all, all okay. hell's going to he break does that, loose. But, but, but you got to live with does it. Does that transfer to winning? Yeah, you, you got to live no, with it. Not, I mean, no, you got to live with it. Right. I'll take it because that means he's not breaking down the defense. Right. And, you know, and let's just talk like defensive scenarios in order to match up with Philly. Like, there are so many, for lack of a better term, dummy defenses or gimmick defenses or just. Pack that pain in and dare him to 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 beat you from out there, but it, it's going to be interesting because it's not just now Simmons, quote unquote, developing a jump shot. It's no Butler, no Redick, the addition of Horford, Horford and Embiid on the floor together. I mean, if you have the the combination of those guys, including Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson, living on the perimeter, then you've got to feel great as the opponent, don't you think? Well, as a as a as a as a this is the player, the ex player talking now, Eric. The the thing that Ben Simmons is going to struggle with, okay. And if I can give you a peek behind the curtain, the thing that every player will struggle with is how to play with a dominant post player. And why? Because that dominant there's nowhere to drive to the basket when you have a dominant post player like Joel Embiid. So if you play with the Shaq or you play with a, a, a player that needs the ball, Patrick Ewing or a player that needs the ball, that player nine times out of ten is going to be in the post. Mm-hmm. In, order for the, in order for the Philadelphia 76ers to be a championship caliber team, Ben Simmons is going to have to develop not a respectable shot but a consistent shot because he's going to have limited opportunities to drive playing alongside Joel Embiid. Yep. That's just the, that's just the facts of the game. And when you play with a dominant player, there is there aren't too many play you can't ask Joel Embiid to consistently shoot threes in a game. Like can he shoot? Yes. Sure. Will he there's, shoot some? Yes. There's only so but, much there's only so much pick and pop and Joel Embiid fifteen foot face ups you're gonna be able to run. He's gotta so have the now, ball in the post. So now this is gonna be the dilemma for as his game evolves. Because you ask any that was the whole thing with if you watch the the Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal thing. Kobe Bryant <laughs> the funny part about watching Kobe Bryant's game evolve 
it was he was a perimeter player when he was playing with Shaq, and then as soon as Shaq left, he became a post player. Hmm. <laughs> That's what happens. So you you can't you can't attack the basket if you're Steve Nash. You can't attack the basket if you are Steph Curry. If you have a dominant post player. This is what every perimeter player knows. So there has to be a balance. LeBron James this year with Anthony Davis will have to figure out the balance because at some point, if you know LeBron James can't get to the basket and finish because there's always someone there, that's going to change his game and all the other people around him. That's just the way it is because there's only so many places on the court that a big guy can go. So – it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of evolves. What you don't want, if you're Ben Simmons, is to be a stand, just a guy who shoots threes because that's all you got. No. And the defense will gladly take They've that. Got set- so I think there will be – it's going to be a balance for him. And it's. I think at some point, sometime it's going to be a struggle for him. And the key for him, to me, is for him not to lose his – not to lose his confidence – and if I were if I were to give him any, you know, encouragement is to be able to find a way to play a lot of minutes or as many minutes as possible with the second unit so that he can do what he does. That's what he if if he's not out causing havoc and creating chaos with his ability at his size, I mean the kid is at least six ten, then what's the point of just having him stand out there and shoot threes? So I think there has to be some balance for him because, you know, I played with a guy, Scottie Pippen. I couldn't ask, and I should say I couldn't, Phil Jackson, the team, couldn't ask Scottie to just be a perimeter spot-up shooter with that, with that talent. You got to let him do what he does. And Phil Jackson and the staff did an excellent job of allowing Scottie to continue to be Scottie Pippen when Michael Jordan wasn't on the court because he was able to do so many beautiful things for our team. And then when he played with Michael in the fourth quarter, they figured out the balance that was necessary. But in the, in, in, during the course of the game, if you watch, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, they were anchoring the second units many uh, mm-hmm. times during the game, which always kept us having a player, a top 10 player on the floor at all times, which gave us a significant advantage and created an opportunity for us to win because those guys created havoc because they could penetrate and do things. And we never had what we would call a dominant post player. You know, Bill Cartwright in his New York days, yeah, he, he, he was able to score 20, but during those championship runs, Bill wasn't that. Will Perdue wasn't that. Bill Winnington, Luke Longley, all the players, no. Scott Williams and so forth and so on, You want to play where you have your players attacking the rim and you create this balance of attacking and shooting threes, and then that makes it even tougher for you to be defended. Yeah, and to your point about the second unit real quick, when Embiid is off the floor, Simmons should always be on it as far as I'm concerned. And they'd be wise to play Ben Simmons out of the post when Embiid is off the floor because he will will punish anybody who is 6'8 and below. And if they put forwards on him, he's going to be too quick for him. He's a terrific passer. And with Horford, Harris, and Richardson out there, um, those guys are going to have open shot opportunities playing off of Simmons all day. So um, Philadelphia is going to have a lot of very interesting 
an intriguing offensive option starting with with Embiid and Simmons and uh, obviously a, a lot expected from the Sixers this season so uh, time flies my friend we uh we flew through this uh, 40 minutes. Time flies, and we didn't really get a chance to get into taco. But next <laughs> week, I promise, so I want my taco time ta- next week. Taco time was great. More exciting than taco is Carson Edwards, and he has the chance to be a, mo- a modern-day uh, microwave oven off the bench. So we can, we can get into that as well uh, next week, and I will be back on the west coast so we will plan accordingly for next week special thanks as always to producer mike lieber bruce bernstein the entire pure hoops media team be sure to check out the mike wise show dropping every monday check out our feature interviews from the catch and shoot podcast coming on wednesdays we'll be revamping that show at the start of the season Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt on thursdays and of course the pure hoops podcast with bj armstrong and myself each and every Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And as always, stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.